listening to the audiobook of How the Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World, written by the editorial team of the Epoch Times groundbreaking series, Nine Commentaries on the Communist Party. Chapter 8, How Communism Sows Chaos in Politics, Part 1. Introduction. Almost everything in the modern world is somehow related to politics. A single policy, law, incident, or scandal can send the public into a frenzy. The election of a leader can draw attention around the globe. Most people only associate communist politics with countries under the rule of a communist party and believe that even those countries have stopped practicing communism. In fact, communism has concealed itself under various guises, such as socialism, neoliberalism, and progressivism. Upon closer examination, it will be seen that the evil specter of communism governs the entire world. Superficially, the free world appears to understand the harm wreaked by communism. Yet in the 170 years since the publication of the Communist Manifesto, governments around the globe have been openly or covertly influenced by Marxist theories. In some respects, the free world has unexpectedly surpassed the self-avowed communist states when it comes to putting these theories into practice. America is the leader of the free world and a traditional bastion of anti-communism. Yet in the 2016 election, an openly socialist candidate came close to the presidency. In polls, over half of young men said they supported socialism. In Europe, socialism is already the prevailing political force. One European politician said, quote, Today it's a combination of democracy, rule of law, and the welfare state, and I'd say a vast majority of Europeans defend this. The British Tories can't touch the National Health Service without being beheaded. In communist states, the communist specter enjoys total political power. It uses the state as an instrument to commit mass murder, demolish traditional culture, extinguish moral values, and persecute practitioners of righteous cultivation ways, with the ultimate aim of destroying humanity. Communist ideology persists despite the fall of the communist regimes in Eastern Europe. In the wake of the Cold War, following decades of destruction, wrought by espionage and subversion, the specter of communism is running rampant across the entire continent. Though the communist specter failed in its attempt to bring the Western world under its direct state control, it subverted the governance of Western nations by advocating socialist policies, inciting violence, undermining traditional morality, and causing social unrest. It intends to send the West down a demonic path as it goes about the destruction of humankind. Given the vital role that the United States plays as the head of the free world, this chapter is primarily concerned with the American situation. 1. Communism is the Politics of Humanity's Destruction Communist politics are not restricted to the totalitarianism practiced in communist states. As we emphasize, Communism is a specter of supernatural power. It manipulates the thoughts of evildoers and deceives the gullible to act as its agents in the human realm. Donning alternative forms, the evil specter of communism has hijacked the political process of free nations in the Western world. 
A. Communist regimes use state power to carry out purges and mass murder. In many Eastern countries, communism seized power directly, bringing the full spectrum of politics under its control. Whether through mass killing, internal struggle, and purging within the Communist Party, or by the subversion of the outside world, its political aims are the permanent maintenance of its power and the perpetual expansion of its influence. Communist regimes pool the resources of entire nations, including the army, police, judiciary, prisons, education, media, and the like, to murder and persecute their own people while destroying their morality. The totalitarian communists maintained their violent rule by launching massive campaigns to destroy people. They range from the notorious gulag concentration camps of the Soviet Union and the political purges and power struggle within the Soviet Communist Party to the ten internal political struggles of the Chinese Communist Party and the slaughter of the Chinese people in various political movements. These include, most recently, the persecution of Falun Gong. For this campaign, former party leader Jiang Zemin dedicated at least a quarter of China's financial resources to repress adherents of the Falun Gong spiritual practice. The followers of the Communist Party are well aware that power is the core concern of communist politics. When Marx and Engels, the founding fathers of communism, drew up lessons to be learned from the Paris Commune, they emphasized the need to establish a dictatorship of the proletariat. Lenin took this to heart and used violence to build the first communist totalitarian dictatorship. Stalin and Mao Zedong used deception, guns, propaganda, conspiracy, and the like to usurp power and maintain their brutal regimes. With absolute power in their hands, it became possible to kill and corrupt absolutely. B. Socialist ideology prevails in Europe and the United States. Europe is already in the grip of socialist ideology and policies. The United States is a special country. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, when the communist movement raged across Europe, its impact on the United States was limited. In 1906, German scholar Werner Zombart wrote a book on the topic called Why Is There No Socialism in the United States? But the situation has since changed dramatically. In 2016, a candidate of a major American political party openly promoted socialism in his campaign for the U.S. presidency. In communist vocabulary, socialism is just the primary stage of communism, and it was once viewed with scorn by most Americans. But the candidate said he thinks there are a lot of people who get very nervous when they hear the word socialist. This politician managed to become one of the two leading candidates in his party. A poll taken toward the end of the 2016 campaign showed that in one of the major leftist parties, 56% of people said they had a positive opinion toward socialism, continuing a trend suggested in 2011 by the Pew Research Center. The Pew poll showed that 49% of U.S. citizens under the age of 30 viewed socialism positively, but only 47% were positive toward capitalism. This marks an overall ideological shift to the left as society loses its understanding of communism. 
The illusions that many in the West hold about socialism today mirror the experiences of countless impressionable young people who embraced communism in the last century of the Soviet Union, China, and elsewhere. The younger generation lacks deep understanding of their own history, culture, and traditions. Their resistance to socialism, which to them looks mild and humane, is non-existent. The great communist deception of the 20th century is coming to repeat itself in the 21st. Marx's philosophy of, quote, from each according to his ability to each according to his need, is quite effective in deceiving the young, who fantasize about a life of generous socialist welfare as seen in the Nordic countries. These countries' welfare systems have caused many social problems, but all attempts to bring about fundamental changes to the systems are stonewalled by the multitude of welfare recipients. The only electable politicians are those who continue to expand taxation and government intervention by using anticipated revenue. As the economist Milton Friedman said, quote, a society that puts equality before freedom will get neither. A society that puts freedom before equality will get a high degree of both. High welfare socialism promotes the continuous expansion of government and leads people to vote away their freedoms. It is an important step in the communist specter's plans for enslaving humanity. Once all nations make the transition to socialism, the current Nordic model of socialism is but a simple step from democracy to totalitarianism. Once the socialist primary stage is completed, political leaders will immediately implement communism. Private property and the democratic process will be abolished. The welfare state will transform into a yoke of tyranny. C. Leftist politics aim to control political parties, legislatures, governments, supreme courts. Western countries are home to long-standing democratic traditions, such as the American separation of powers. Taking control over state power is not as simple as in the East. To establish control in the West, the evil specter had to adopt various indirect means of commandeering government institutions and marketing its treachery. The United States is a multi-party system dominated by two parties. To enter the political mainstream, Communism must infiltrate one or both parties and use them to take control of congressional votes. Meanwhile, its candidates must take up key positions in the government and courts. The extent to which communism has subverted U.S. politics is quite severe. In order to secure a stable voting bloc, U.S. leftist parties have magnified the animosity between low- and high-income groups while attracting an increasing number of immigrants and, quote, vulnerable groups, such as the LGBT community, women, minorities, and so on. Left-wing politicians do all they can to pander to their demographic by advocating communist ideas, rejecting the basic moral standards God set for humankind, and even shielding illegal immigrants so that they can join the ranks of the left. A billionaire with a history of supporting left-wing movements has heavily funded leftist candidates to run for president of the United States and other important positions. Key among these are the secretaries of state who are responsible for electoral affairs and play a critical role 
in resolving disputes. The billionaire has thrown much aid into the campaigns for these positions. Even when illegal immigrants committed crimes on U.S. soil, leftist authorities turned a blind eye and set up sanctuaries to protect them from the government. During the administration of a former leftist president, he attempted to grant amnesty to five million illegal immigrants, but the draft resolution was ultimately shelved by the Supreme Court. Left-wing parties have fought for the voting rights of illegal immigrants. Of course, the motive isn't necessarily to benefit the illegal immigrants or the general population, but to bolster the left's voter demographic. On September 12, 2017, a city in an eastern U.S. state passed a bill to grant non-citizens the right to vote in local elections, including residents with green cards, student and work visas, or even those with no documentation of legal immigration status. It attracted widespread media attention for its potential effects on the electoral system in other parts of the country. Under the influence of the evil communist specter, American left-wing parties used underhanded measures to attract more votes and political control. America's future hangs in the balance. D. Left-wing administration promoted socialism and crooked policies. The previous leftist administration was heavily infiltrated by communists and socialists. Many groups that supported the former president had clear links to socialist organizations. The former president is a disciple of the neo-Marxist Saul Alinsky. Following his election, he appointed advisors from far-left think tanks. His universal health care policy fined those who refused to enroll in it. He passed bills to legalize marijuana and homosexuality, allowed transsexuals to join the army, and so on. When the California State Assembly was controlled by the left, some representatives tried to abolish a law barring the Communist Party from participating in government. This attempt failed, following strong opposition from the Vietnamese American community. The administration also concocted policies that corrupted human relations. In 2016, the, quote, bathroom bill signed by the sitting president allowed for people who identify as transgender to enter bathrooms of their chosen gender, regardless of their physical sex. In other words, a man who thinks he is a woman can enter the ladies' room. The bathroom bill was made effective in public schools throughout the country. Schools that refuse to implement the bill will lose funding from the federal government. 2. Politics is infused with the cult of communism. For thousands of years, the main institution of political power was monarchy, which received its authority from God. Heaven endowed the ruler with the divine right of kings. Emperors and kings performed a sacred role as intermediaries between man and God. Today, many nations are run by democracies. In practice, democracy isn't the rule of the people, but rather the rule of the representative chosen by the people. The election of a president is a democratic procedure. Once in office, the president has broad powers over politics, economics, the military, foreign relations, and so on. Democracy cannot guarantee that good people will be elected. As the overall moral standard of society sinks, the winning candidates may well be those who specialize in empty or inflammatory rhetoric or are prone to cronyism. The damage to society is huge 
when a democracy does not take provisions to maintain the moral standards set by gods. The advantages of electoral representation disappear and are folded into mob politics that throw society into chaos and fragmentation. The point is not to debate the respective merits of a particular political system. We are simply stating that moral values are the cornerstone of social stability and harmony. Democracy and the rule of law are merely the format by which society operates. A. The Convergence of Politics and Religion in the CCP Cult The Chinese Communist Party's rule is a political cult that is fully integrated with the power of the state. The ideology of this cult is forced upon people to destroy their morality. At the same time, it rules society using criminal methods, dragging people toward ruin. The CCP's rule is often described as a continuation of the imperial system, but this is terribly mistaken. Traditional Chinese monarchs did not claim to define moral values. Instead, they saw themselves as acting within the restraint of moral standards set by gods or heaven. The CCP, on the other hand, monopolized the very concept of morality itself. No matter how many evils it commits, the CCP can still regard itself as, quote, great, glorious, and correct, in its own words. Morality is set by God, not man. Standards of good and evil stem from divine commandment, not the ideological pretensions of some political party. Monopolizing the right to define morality inevitably leads to the mixing of church and state, which in the case of the CCP manifests itself with the typical features of a malicious cult. Example number one. The Communist Party enshrines Marx as its spiritual lord and takes Marxism as universal truth. Communism's promise of a heaven on earth lures its followers to lay down their lives for it. Its cult-like features include, but are not limited to, these. Inventing doctrine, crushing opposition, worshipping the leader, regarding itself as the sole source of righteousness, using forceful brainwashing and mind control, having a tight organization that one can join but never leave, promoting violence and bloodlust, and encouraging martyrdom for the religious cause. Example number two. Communist leaders such as Lenin, Stalin, Mao, and Kim Il-sung all had their own cults of personality. They were the popes of the communist cult in their respective countries, with unquestioned authority to determine right and wrong. Whether they killed or lied, they were always correct, which was justified by explanations that they were motivated by a higher purpose or that they were playing the long game. The citizens of these countries were made to abandon their own understandings of moral good. Being forced to lie or do evil under the party's command brought people psychological and spiritual trauma. Example number three. Traditional Orthodox religions teach people to be good, but the cult of communism, being built on hatred, takes the exact opposite stance. Though the Communist Party also spoke of love, the love it advocated is predicated on a foundation of hate. For example, proletarians are capable of class friendliness because they face a common enemy, the capitalists. In China, the way to show patriotism is to hate America, hate France, hate Japan, hate Korea, hate Taiwan, and hate overseas Chinese who criticize the CCP. B. 
the religious character of liberalism and progressivism. Liberalism and progressivism have now become the standard of political correctness in the West. In fact, they have been pushed to the point of becoming a secular religion. Western leftists have used different labels throughout history, sometimes calling themselves liberal and sometimes calling themselves progressive. The two concepts do not differ significantly. The ultimate concept of liberalism and progressivism is similar to that of communist ideology. Proponents advocate freedom and progress as absolute moral good and attack any dissenting opinion as heresy. Similar to communism, atheism, evolution, and scientism, liberalism and progressivism replace the belief in God with humanist reason, effectively taking man himself to be a god. They share the same enemies as the communists and blame social problems on perceived injustices or defects in the capitalist system, which they intend to subvert or overthrow. Their methods are similar to those of communists. They think their cause so important that no means is off-limits to them. They can use violence or deception as called for in different situations. The quasi-religious characteristics of liberalism and progressivism are inseparable from the historical background of their origin. Rapid scientific progress since the 18th century greatly strengthened humankind's confidence in its own ability and fueled the progressive intellectual trend. French philosopher Marquis de Condorcet, a pioneer of progressive thinking, stated in his work, Sketch for a Historical Picture of the Progress of the Human Mind, that reason leads people to the path of happiness and morality or goodness. Following this, progressivism became more aggressive and began pushing reason onto the altar of worship. Progressive thinking allows one to view reason, conscience, and the Creator as separate fostering the idea that man does not need the Creator's salvation. He can use his own rationality and conscience to sweep away the evils of greed, fear, jealousy, and the like. Man can establish paradise on earth and do away with the divine. The arrogance of progressivism is exhibited in a statement by 19th-century French politician and art critic Jules Castagnery. Quote, Beside the divine garden from which I have been expelled, I will erect a new Eden. At its entrance, I will set up progress, and I will give a flaming sword into his hand, and he will say to God, Thou shalt not enter here. Filled with this kind of thought, people entertain an illusion of controlling humanity's destiny and manipulating its future. That is, mankind wants to play the role of God, to create a utopia without God, a paradise on earth, which is the essential idea of communism. The struggle to achieve this paradise has caused a deluge of blood and misery. C. Contemporary Liberalism and Progressivism New Variants of Communism The Rebellion Against Classical Liberalism Classical liberalism, working from the philosophy of natural individual rights, advocated constitutional restrictions on the power of royalty or government so as to protect personal freedom. Individual rights are divinely bestowed, while government is built by the citizens and has the express duty of protecting its people. Separation of church and state was established to prevent the government from infringing upon the thought and faith of the citizenry. Contemporary Liberalism 
is nothing other than the communist infiltration and betrayal of classical liberalism in the name of freedom. On the one hand, it emphasizes absolute individualism, that is, extreme indulgence in desires and disregard for any morality and restraint. On the other hand, it emphasizes equality of outcome instead of equality of opportunity. For instance, when discussing distribution of wealth, modern liberals focus on the needs of the recipients instead of the taxpayers' rights. When it comes to policies designed to address discrimination, they focus only on those who were historically wronged and ignore the people who are currently becoming victims under these policies. In law, they obstruct the need to punish crime for the apparent purpose of protecting the innocent from unjust sentencing. In education, they ignore the potential of talented students with the pretext of supporting and helping academic low achievers and those from underprivileged families. They use the excuse of free speech to lift restrictions on publishing obscene content. The focus of contemporary liberalism has silently evolved from advocating freedom to promoting equality. However, it is yet unwilling to be termed egalitarianism, as this would instantly brand it as a form of communism. The tolerance of classical liberalism is indeed a virtue, but the communist specter took advantage of contemporary liberalism and used tolerance as its avenue to moral corruption. John Locke, known as the father of liberalism, stated his viewpoint on religious tolerance and the separation of church and state in his, quote, letter concerning toleration. From Locke's writing, it is seen that the main aspect of toleration is that the state, which holds coercive power, should tolerate personal beliefs. Whether one's belief in the path to heaven is right or ridiculous, it is a matter that ought to be left to divine judgment. One's soul should be under one's own control. The state should not use its power to impose belief or disbelief. Contemporary liberalism neglected the real purpose of toleration and transformed it into absence of judgment. It developed the political concept of, quote, value-free, that is, to make no judgment or assignment of value in any situation. In truth, value-free just means the loss of moral bearings and confusing good with bad and evil with virtue. It is the denial and subversion of universal values. It uses an attractive phrase to open the gates for an onslaught of demons pushing anti-morality and anti-tradition under the guise of freedom. The rainbow flag, a symbol of the LGBT movement, is a typical reflection of the value-free concept. When the judicial authorities try to intervene, contemporary liberals attack them under the pretext of safeguarding individual freedom and equality and fighting discrimination against the underprivileged. Contemporary liberalism has ridiculously confused the sexes. In 2003, California signed into law a new bill, AB 196. Any commercial employer or nonprofit organization can face fines up to $150,000 for refusing a qualified job seeker because he or she is transgender or dresses in a manner inconsistent with his or her gender. The California Senate defined gender identity as, quote, a person's identity based on the individual's stated gender identity without regard to whether the self-identified gender accords with the individual's sex assigned at birth. The Essence of Progressivism Moral Perversion
modern-day progressivism is the direct application of Darwin's theories of evolution in social science, with the result being continuous deviation and perversion of traditional morality in the name of progress. Guided by humanity's traditional values, it is normal to use our intelligence to improve our living conditions, increase wealth, and reach new heights of culture. In the progressive era of American history from the late 19th century to the early 20th century, government reforms corrected various corrupt practices that arose in the process of economic and societal development. But after communists infiltrated the United States, they hijacked terms such as progress and progressivism and infused them with their harmful ideology. They engineered the New Deal following the Great Depression, and after that, the Civil Rights Movement, discussed in Chapter 5, Part 1, the Counterculture Movement, the Feminist Movement, the Environmental Movement, to be discussed in Chapter 16, and the like, causing massive changes in American society starting in the 1960s. The essence of modern-day progressivism is to deny the traditional social order and divinely imparted values. From the perspective of traditional morality, the standards for judging good from evil and right from wrong come from God. During the Progressive Revolution, atheists viewed traditional morality as a hindrance to progress and demanded a reevaluation of all moral standards. They denied the existence of absolute moral standards and used society, culture, history, and present-day conditions to establish their own system of relative morality. Along with the progressive revolution, this moral relativism has gained influence in politics, education, culture, and other aspects of Western society. Marxism is the essence of moral relativism. It holds that whatever conforms to the interests of the proletariat, the ruling class in essence, is moral, while whatever does not conform is immoral. Morality is not used to restrict the actions of the proletariat, but as a weapon for the dictatorship of the proletariat to use against its enemies. The fact is that communism and progressivism share distinct similarities. It is only logical for communism to have hijacked progressivism, even though this happened unbeknownst to most people. Even today, communism continues its open deception under the progressive banner. Liberalism and the Social Current of Progressivism As explained above, liberalism and progressivism have diverged from the U.S. Constitution and traditional moral values upon which America was founded. The trend is to change and, in essence, destroy all traditional belief, moral values, and the current social institutions of the West. In the Communist Manifesto, Marx listed ten measures by which to destroy capitalism. He said, quote, The first step in the revolution by the working class is to raise the proletariat to the position of ruling class to win the battle of democracy. Quote, the proletariat will use its political supremacy to seize, by degree, all capital from the bourgeoisie, to centralize all instruments of production in the hands of the state, i.e., of the proletariat organized as the ruling class, and to increase the total productive forces as rapidly as possible. Quote, of course, in the beginning, this cannot be effected except by means of despotic inroads on the rights of property and on the conditions of bourgeois production. By means of measures, therefore, 
which appear economically insufficient and untenable, but which, in the course of the movement, outstrip themselves, necessitate further inroads upon the old social order, and are unavoidable as a means of entirely revolutionizing the mode of production. These measures will, of course, be different in different countries. Nevertheless, in most advanced countries, the following will be more or less generally applicable. Among the ten points listed in the manifesto, many are already being implemented to move the United States and other countries progressively to the left and eventually establish communist political control. 1. Abolition of property and land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. 2. A heavy progressive or graduated income tax. 3. Abolition of all rights of inheritance. The U.S. government started to collect inheritance tax in 1916. 4. Confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. 5. Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. The U.S. Federal Reserve, which operates as a central bank, was established in 1913. 6. Centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. The United States has supervising agencies, a state-owned postal office, and state-operated railroads. 7. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state, the bringing into cultivation of wastelands, and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with a common plan. 8. Equal liability of all to work. Establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. In 1935, the United States established the Social Security Bureau and Labor Department. The Affirmative Action Law requires that women can perform all jobs of men, including military positions. 9. Combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries. Gradual abolition of all distinction between town and country by a more equable distribution of the populace over the country. 10. Free education for all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Combination of education with industrial production. On the surface, communists advocate some positive things. However, their goal isn't a nation's welfare, but rather political power. It is not wrong for people to seek happiness and progress, but when certain isms become political ideologies and start to replace and reject traditional moral values and beliefs, they turn into the tools by which the communist specter guides people toward degeneracy and destruction. 3. Inciting Hatred and promoting struggle is the invariable course of communist politics. As expounded in the beginning of this book, communism is an evil specter founded on hatred. Struggle and hatred are thus an important part of communist politics. While breeding hate and division among people, communism corrupts human morality to take political power and erect its dictatorship. Turning people against each other, is the primary means by which it does this. The first chapter of the Selected Works of Mao Zedong is An Analysis of Classes in Chinese Society, written in 1925. It begins with the line, quote, Who are our enemies? Who are our friends? This question is the number one question in the revolution. 
The Communist Party arbitrarily creates concepts of class, where before none existed, and then incites these arbitrarily divided groups to struggle against each other. This is a magic weapon the Communists use in their rise to power. To promote its cause, the Communist Party selects and exaggerates certain issues that stem from the decline in moral values. Then it claims that the root cause of these issues is not moral weakness, but the structure of society. It singles out particular classes as the oppressors and promotes popular struggle against these classes as the solution to society's ills. The hatred and struggle of communist politics are not limited to the antagonism between workers and capitalists. Cuban communist leader Fidel Castro said that the enemy of the Cuban people was the corruption of Fulcencio Batista and his supporters, and that the supposed oppression by large plantation owners was the source of inequality and injustice. By overthrowing the so-called oppressors, the Communist Party promises an egalitarian utopia. The communists took over Cuba by using this promise. In China, Mao Zedong's innovation was to promise the peasants ownership of their land, the workers' ownership of their factories, and the intellectuals freedom, peace, and democracy. This turned peasants against landlords, workers against capitalists, and intellectuals against the government, allowing the Chinese Communist Party to seize power. In Algeria, Communist leader Ahmed Ben Bella stirred up hatred between different religions and ethnic groups, Muslims against Christians and Arabs against the French. This became Ben Bella's springboard to communist rule. The founding fathers of the United States built the country based on the principles of the American Constitution, which must be known and followed by every citizen. Family, church, and community formed strong bonds across American society. This de-emphasized concepts of social class and made it difficult to concoct class struggle in the United States. But the specter of communism uses whatever opportunity it can to sow division. Using labor unions, it magnified conflicts between employees and employers. It used racial divides to rally blacks, Muslims, Asians, and Hispanics to struggle against whites. It instigated struggle between the sexes by promoting the women's rights movement against the traditional social structure. It created divisions using sexual orientation and the LGBT movement. It even invented new genders to intensify the struggle. It divides the believers of different religions and uses, quote, cultural diversity to challenge traditional Western culture and heritage. It divides people of different nationalities by pushing for the rights of illegal immigrants and creating conflicts between foreigners and citizens. It pits immigrants and the general public against law enforcement officers. As society becomes increasingly atomized, a single misstep can trigger a struggle. Social conflict has become the default state of society. The seed of hatred has been planted in the hearts of the masses, and this is precisely the sinister aim of communism. Communism promotes division and hatred simultaneously. Lenin wrote, quote, We can and we must write in the language which sows among the masses hate, revulsion, scorn, and the like toward those who disagree with us. The political tactics used by the communist specter in the West employ all sorts of social justice issues to incite hatred and intensify social conflict. 
1931 Scottsboro Boys case, nine black boys were accused of raping two white women, triggering serious racial discord across the country. The Communist Party, USA, sprang into action, advocating justice for black Americans and attracting many followers. Among these was Frank Marshall Davis, the future mentor to a left-wing president. According to Dr. Paul Kenger, the goal of the American communists in the Scottsboro Boys case was not merely to boost its membership among the black population and progressive social justice activists, but to vilify America as a country rife with inequality and racial discrimination. Claiming that these were the prevailing conditions all throughout the country, they promoted communism and leftist ideology as the only means of liberating Americans from this supposedly pathological and evil system. In 1935, a riot broke out among the black communities of Harlem, New York, following rumors that a black teen had been beaten to death when he was caught shoplifting. The Communist Party USA jumped at the chance to organize black protests, according to Leonard Patterson, the black former CPUSA member who had played a role in the incident. Patterson described how communists were specifically trained in Leninist tactics on how to instigate and inflame conflicts. They learned how to transform protests into violent riots and street fighting, as well as deliberately fabricating conflict where there was none to be found. In contemporary America, communist groups have been involved in every large-scale social conflict or riot. In 1992, footage showing Rodney King, a black resident of Los Angeles, being beaten by white police officers after he was caught for drunk driving, was broadcast on television. After the verdict, just when the protesters were about to disperse, someone suddenly smashed a metal billboard into a passing car, and the protest swiftly escalated into a violent riot with burning, smashing, and looting. When asked about the participation of communists in the incident, Los Angeles County Sheriff Sherman Block said that there was no question that they were involved in rioting, looting, and arson. During the events, Flyers circulated by various communist groups like the Revolutionary Communist Party, the Socialist Workers' Party, the Progressive Labor Party, and the Communist Party USA could be found all over the streets and throughout schools. One of the flyers had the words, quote, Avenge the King Verdict, Turn the Guns Around, Soldiers Unite with the Workers. According to a police officer in the Los Angeles Police Department, people were already handing out flyers before the verdict was announced. Early on, Lenin had instructed communists that, quote, outbreaks, demonstrations, street fighting, units of a revolutionary army, such are the stages in the development of the popular uprising. Whatever the multitude of organizations that incite riots and violence in Western society today may call themselves, be it indivisible, anti-fascist, Stop Patriarchy, Black Lives Matter, or Refuse Fascism. They are all communists or proponents of communist ideas. The violent Antifa group consists of people of various communist leanings, such as anarchists, socialists, liberals, social democrats, and the like. Refuse Fascism is actually a left-wing radical group founded by the president of the Revolutionary Communist Party of the USA. It was behind many large-scale protests, aiming to overturn the result of the 2016 presidential election. 
Under the guise of free speech, these groups work tirelessly to provoke all sorts of conflicts in Western society. To understand their real objective, one needs only to take a look at the Communist Party USA's directive to its members, as described in the 1956 Congressional Report. Quote, Members and front organizations must continually embarrass, discredit, and degrade our critics. When obstructionists become too irritating, label them as fascist or Nazi or anti-Semitic. Constantly associate those who oppose us with those names that already have a bad smell. The association will, after enough repetition, become fact in the public mind.